Well, this morning I'm going to continue uh, the series that we've started uh, four or five weeks ago uh, that Pastor Brandon started called The Kingdom. How many of you glad you're part of The Kingdom? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, he said, uh, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. We need to focus on the kingdom. Amen. I've been talking to a lot of people. They are just so, uh, they're just so distracted right now. They've lost focus. And I encourage them, focus on the kingdom. Cause listen, Jesus said, if we'll focus on the kingdom, everything's going to be all right. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me? I mean, I think we need to shut down all the exterior information and start putting our focus on the Lord and the kingdom of God, and we'll sense just a rise in our spirit. Amen? And so I want to encourage you to do that. In week one, we talked about what is the kingdom of God. And then week two, we talked about the kingdom's culture. And then in week three, I talked to you about a kingdom attitude called the attitude of gratitude. Amen. And then last week, Pastor Brandon talked about the kingdom agenda. How many of you know the world has an agenda? The kingdom has an agenda. We need to be about the father's agenda, right? Y'all agree with that? Amen. So today we're going to talk about kingdom identity. And again, if you like this sermon, tell Pastor Brandon, great job, Pastor Brandon. Amen. If you don't like it, well, I'm sorry about that, right? But anyway, you know, the, the kingdom identity, one of the greatest challenges we face as humans is our identity. Isn't that true? And people do all kind of crazy things because they're searching for identity. But you know, listen, we struggle with, you know, like who you are in the family, in the pecking order of the family. We struggle with who we are among our peers. We struggle with um, when we look in the mirror, like, who am I? Well, what's my identity, right? And then we struggle with uh, who I am in society. Do I measure up and all that kind of stuff. And um, we also struggle with who I am in the church, who I am in the kingdom of God. You know, we're talking about the kingdom of God and we say, well, what does that mean to me? Who am I in the kingdom of God? What is my identity in the church? How many, how many of you know it's a lot? It's a lot, right? And so the disciples were obsessed with this, this very question. Who am I? And in Mark chapter 9, verse 33, there was this little dialogue with Jesus and his disciples. And in verse 33, he says, after they received they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house. Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. That sounds like real spiritual giants right there, right? They arguing. The disciples were arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus didn't answer the question um, because, or they didn't answer Jesus's question because they knew he wouldn't approve of their argument, right? And so because the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom of God, they, uh, in the very next verse, Jesus kind of settles their argument and he's, he tells them that the ones that are greatest in the kingdom of God are the servants of all. The greatest are the servants. Now, how many of you know that's different than the world? The world says, how many people can I get to serve me? And Jesus says, find out how many people you can serve. It's a different value, right? And that's what Jesus says. The issue of identity is what they were dealing with. 
And it would come up again and again. In fact, in the very next chapter, in Mark chapter 10, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? He asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. We want to be the big dogs. And, and Jesus says, oh my goodness, you don't get it yet. And so the question was, why was it that all these disciples were seeking positions of greatness and honor? Well, I think the answer is because they didn't fully understand their identity in the kingdom of God. Why is so many people scramming for power and in, 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 in these positions in, our, in, our, in the marketplace, in our society? It's because we don't understand our identity in the kingdom of God. Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. Now, we know that the apostle Peter Later on, he got the revelation, right? He got the revelation of who he was and who we are in Christ. And he clearly lays it out in 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is what he says in verse 4. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now, Peter reminds us right here that Jesus was the chosen one, right? He was chosen to be the chief cornerstone in Jerusalem, but he was rejected by his own people. His own people rejected him. If you've been rejected, you're in good company. Jesus has to. In verse 8, he said, He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Now, Peter also reminds us that those of us who did not re, or those of us who did not reject him, that's believers, our fate and future is much different than those who reject him. That's why for you and I, brothers and sisters, you can't listen to Fox News and determine your identity. Come on, I'm preaching better than you saying amen. You can't listen to CNN, NBC, ABC. You can't look at Facebook. You can't look at this stuff to determine who you are. Come on, you are not of this world. Amen. You have another kingdom, the kingdom of God. Come on, amen. This kingdom identity, this is a kingdom scripture right here. And he says, listen, in verse 9, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Amen. Come on, that's good news right there. If you're having an identity crisis and you're doubting your identity in the kingdom of God and don't know who you are in Christ, this verse should clear it all up for us. Amen. So let's unpack that. Three facts about your identity right from this verse. Number one, you are chosen by the king. You are chosen by the king. First Peter 2.9, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. 
a chosen people. Peter makes it clear to these Gentiles, as well as all of us who are Christians, that we are truly God's chosen people. You know, we say, I chose God. No, he chose us, right? Over and over again, the scripture reminds us, Isaiah 41, 9, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, you are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Come on. God don't throw people away. Amen. John 15, 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. Come on. How many of you glad you've been chosen? Amen. See, question, have you ever felt that you were weren't good enough to be chosen? Like, you know, and so some people that are in church today, they're they're living beyond their identity in Christ because they don't understand this, that God chose them, right? And so listen, I felt that way growing up, you know, like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy enough, unwanted, unworthy, lacking value. Have you ever felt that way or am I alone? I mean, I felt that way, you know, and I remember, you know, some of you remember this, like, I don't know if they still do this, but, you know, growing up, like for uh, PE, physical education, we would we would pick teams, right? And so, you know, the coach would say, okay, you're going to be a coach. You're going to be a coach. All right, pick, pick, a, pick a person. Now you pick a person. And I remember I was always sweating it. I hope somebody picks me. And what you didn't want to be was the last one chosen. And if you were good at sports, they would pick you. If you weren't good at sports, you stayed in the crowd. And you didn't want to be the last one chosen. And you were just hoping you would get chosen. And so I grew up with this mentality that like, I don't know if really I'm chosen. I don't know if I'm worthy. I'm valuable. Well, praise the Lord. It doesn't matter whether you choose me or not. The king of glory chose me and that doesn't matter. I don't care if you Bill Gates, if you, I don't care if you own Tesla. I don't care about all that. The king of glory chose you, my friend. And so don't look at yourself as little or or unvaluable anymore. You are a chosen people. Come on, you should be encouraged by that. Amen? Listen, sometimes we grow up feeling unwanted, unworthy, and lacking in value, even in the eyes of God. But not in God's eyes. We are a chosen people. You are a winner in his eyes. You know, I don't know... If you've ever, you're familiar with this verse, but I want to read this Psalm 139. This is a good, a good passage to, to contemplate, to dwell on. It's powerful. In verse 13, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. That's beautiful words right there. I mean, when you think about it, God was overseeing you in conception. 
And that's what this psalm says. He was there in your mother's womb whenever you got conceived. Amen. And, and so listen, he supervised your being formed in your mother. I mean, he was there at the very beginning. You're not an accident. Some people might say you're an accident. You're not an accident. No, no, no. The Lord made sure you got here. Amen. He made sure, you know, I've heard this verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Amen. Isn't that good news? You know, I've heard people say that whenever we were born, we were one of maybe a hundred million sperm cells that were racing towards the egg in our mother's womb. And we beat out everybody to fertilize that egg. And that's why we here. Amen. The reason why we here, because we're fast. Because we're winners. Because God chose us. He said, hold up, hold up. Not yet, not yet. Not you, not you. Tony. Tony. Tony is going to be conceived. Todd's going to be conceived. Come on, Neil's going to be conceived. Are y'all with me out here? Come on, your identity, you've been chosen of the Lord and you need to give praise and glory and honor. Don't you dare belittle yourself, the God who chose you. Don't do that and shake your fist at God. God made you. He fashioned you and he formed you. Amen. Shall we just pray and go home now? Amen. Amen. Here's a second fact about your identity. You are royal in the kingdom. You're royal. First Peter 2 9, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You know, royal means dignitary. It means precious. The Bible says that we are royal. The image of royalty is supposed to remind us of our identities as sons and daughters of God. Amen. And we are heirs of Jesus Christ and all the privileges and honor that royalty comes with. When you think about the royal family overseas, that family right there, man, like they said, you know, the Queen Elizabeth, she hasn't opened a door in, in all of her life. Everybody runs to the door and opens the door for her because she is royalty. The royal family gets all these privileges. Do you know you are royalty? Say, well, Todd, I don't feel that way. Well, you just need to come up to speed. Come on, you just need to line up your thinking, your stinking thinking with the word of God. You are royalty. You are a royal priesthood, the Bible says. Amen? And so, come on, we need to measure up. Here is why this matters, that you understand that you are royalty. When you see yourself as a as royal you will think differently, talk differently, and live differently. Amen? Come on, how many of you know the royal family, man? They don't, they don't behave like some, you know, person that, that don't know who they are. Come on, they, they walk proper. They even eat proper. Amen? Come on now. They know who they are. And everybody else knows who they are, right? But first Timothy, listen. You need to realize who you are, because when you realize you are royalty, you realize you have authority. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. What? God loans us his authority. 
So in the spiritual world, I can use my authority and I can change the atmosphere, not because I'm somebody special, but it's because of who I belong to. Come on, are y'all with me? You have authority, not because you're, because of your last name, it's because you got engrafted into the family of royalty. And you can use your authority. I've given you authority. Amen. And so as heirs of God, you can use his name and authority. He said, in my name, you will cast out demons. Listen, Christians get uncomfortable around demons. Don't get uncomfortable. God gave you authority to deal with that. In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. Come on. Y'all help me this morning. Amen. Come on. Your royalty. When you know your royalty, you know you have authority. Amen. But you also realize you have dignity. In 2 Timothy 2, 2, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. A life of dignity means you live a life of worthiness, moral and, and, and uprightness, honor, and nobility. See, we represent the Father. And so we walk in dignity. Amen. Come on. Don't get quiet on me. Say amen. amen. The truth is, we can live a life of worthiness and moral uprightness, honor and nobility because we are royal heirs of God. We didn't, we came from good stock. Come on. Can I say it that way? We came from good stock. We're talking about the creator stock. Amen. There ain't nothing bad about the stock. It ain't nothing bad about the genes that we've inherited because of the royal family. Listen, I'm just going to go ahead and preach myself happy here. And you can listen in if you want. I'm receiving this and I hope you're receiving it today. Amen. And number three, you, you realize that you will never lack as an heir of royalty. This is what the psalmist said, Psalm 37, 25. I have been young and now I am old, yet I've not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. Whenever I think about it, listen, people in royal families, they don't have to beg because they're royal. Things are provided for them. You say, well, I'm not. I'm taught I'm not. My family is not royal. Do you know the Menards? Well, no, I don't. But listen, you're not that. That's not who you are. You're part of a different kingdom now. When you got born again, you got engrafted in. Amen. Come on. There's a last name above and before Menard. And it's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm a child of the Most High. And so are you. Amen. 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 Philippians 4.19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. These are glorious riches the scripture talks about here and extends way beyond money, possessions, and positions. Because the kingdom of the world, that's what they think is, you know, is really arriving. Money, possessions, power, all that stuff. And so listen, so then if you don't have that, then you struggle with identity. And you start doing bizarre things to try to find yourself. Well, you don't have to find yourself. God already found you. And you've been chosen. And you're a child of God. 
And come on. And he's provided everything that you need. Amen. So you just walk up right up to the refrigerator and help yourself. Amen. Because the kingdom is yours in Jesus' name. Oh, man. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. How many of you know there's an unending amount of spiritual resources available to those who are part of God's kingdom? One last thing. People who are born into a royal family don't have to work for it. Right? They're identified by their royal birth. Like the kids of the royal family, they don't have to like, you know, go put in an application. In fact, it will do them no good. They were born into that family. They didn't do anything for it. They just inherited it. Can I, can I just encourage you a little bit? When you got born again, when you got born again, you got born into the royal family. Come on, you don't have to work for it. Amen, it's yours. Amen. But now, listen, act like royalty. Come on, act like royalty. Like my old ag teacher said, you know, listen, if you hang around the dogs, you're going to get fleas. Come on, royalty says, look, we act right. We live a life of nobility, of worthiness, of uprightness, because we represent the family. Amen. Come on. Amen. Come on. If you got that, say, I got that. Amen. The third and final fact about your identity is this. You are priest in the kingdom. Priest in the kingdom. First Peter 2, 5 says, what's more, you are his holy priest. Through the, the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. What a privilege and honor to be called priest in the kingdom of God. Listen, this really drives home the point that our identity is in Christ. I mean, for God to say, I want you to serve, I want you to be on my team. I want you to serve in my kingdom. And everyone that the Lord chooses, he says, you're a priest. Now, you remember the Old Testament, the priests were the ones that had special privileges in the kingdom of God. But in the New Testament, it's totally different. You know, listen, some people in the, in the church today, they still have that Old Testament mentality. And so whenever they need to get a hold of God, they come to the pastor, to the leader, and say, hey, would you do me a favor? Would you talk to God on my behalf? And we say, no, no, no. I don't have to talk to God on your behalf because you're a priest just like me. We are a royal priesthood, man. I mean, we can all just go to God on our own. Praise the Lord for that. You don't have to wait to come to the church building to get in touch with God. If you're down in the sea, you can get in touch with God. If you're in the heavens, you can get in touch with God. If you're in the valley, you can get in touch with God. Regardless of who you are, where you are, you can get in touch with God. Why? Because you're a royal priesthood. Amen. You're a priest. Amen. That's a, isn't that a blessing? And so what a privilege and honor. Now look at the second part of this verse. First Peter 2, 5 says, what's more, you are his holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now remember the role of the Old Testament priests. What they did was when people came to church, they brought sacrifices because they, they had to bring 
doves, pigeons, you know, animal sacrifices. And they sacrificed that animal on the altar. And it helped them get a picture of what, why we shouldn't sin, because it costs life. And, and whenever they brought a sheep, they had to put their hand on the sheep while that, that animal was sacrificed for them to get the picture. To cover sin is not cheap. But listen, that was the old priesthood. But they did that to cover the people. But the New Testament says you don't have to bring turtle doves to the, to the church service. All you need to do is offer up a sacrifice of praise. How many of you rather offer up a sacrifice of praise? I know some of you say, I could never do that to a dove. Well, you don't have to, praise the Lord. All you have to do is offer up a sacrifice of praise that's pleasing to the Lord, right? And so Revelations 5.10 says this, You have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. See, look, priests, what they do, they would, they would talk to God for the people. And then they would minister to people for God. And it's the same for us today, right? We minister to God. We don't have to minister for people. We just minister ourselves to God, right? But we also minister to people about God. We're the priest. And so listen, you know, I could pick somebody in here and say, tell me your story. How did you get saved? Most people's testimony in here would not say, well, this pastor, this evangelist, they, they brought me to God, you know, some clergy. No, most people, my, my brother, my sister, my cousin, my coworker, the priest that was around them, the holy priesthood ministered to them and they came to know Christ. Amen. Come on, isn't that a privilege? And remember, the Old Testament priest was the only one that could come in the presence of God. They would do the sacrifice and they would go into the Holy of Holies. They were the only ones that could experience the presence of God. But we're a royal priesthood. Listen, I ain't got to wait to sacrifice a lamb or, or wait for a certain day to go into the presence of God every day. The throne room of heaven is open and I can come boldly into the throne of grace and I can receive mercy and help in my time of need. It's not that my life is perfect and everything's going on just like I wanted, but praise God, whenever the heat gets too hot and the storm gets too severe, I can duck in the secret place and I can just get in the presence of God and he puts a shelter over me and he shields me from the heat of life. He ministers to my soul. He encourages my heart and he calms my soul like a weaned child. Amen. Amen. And I can just have peace in the midst of turmoil. How many of you know I needed that this morning when Pastor Brandon called me? Amen. Amen. But God is good, isn't he? Come on, are y'all with me this morning? You're a priest in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. How do you fulfill your role as a priest on a daily basis? In the Old Testament, the priests represented people to God and also God to the people, and we do the same thing. We go to God for people. In other words, we pray for them. Why do we take time in the service to pray for this family and that family? Because we're, 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 that's, that's the priesthood duty. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens. That's a, that's a, that's a responsibility of the priesthood. We are to pray for one another. Right? Amen. 
And we are also to represent Christ to other people. Amen. We should be living advertisements, billboards for God. Some people, the only Bible they will ever read is our life. Come on, we don't need to have a corrupt Bible. Amen. Come on, we don't know the revelations. They don't add or subtract from the Bible. We need to keep it pure. Amen. We need our testimony to be rich, demonstrating the love of God. Amen. Once you identify yourself as a priest, you have to ask yourself, am I fulfilling the role that God has called me? Why, why should our identity, whether you think I'm like me or not, I mean, I care. But my identity is not whether you like me or not. My identity is that he already liked me. <laughs> and he chose me. Amen. I'm not the last one on the field waiting. Is anybody going to pick me? Is anybody going to? In fact, I think the Lord says, okay, y'all pick y'all teams, the world, let y'all, you know, the fast and the best and the strongest and all that. And after you're done, whatever's left, I'll take them. I take the weak things of the world and confound the wise. Come on. Amen. Praise the Lord. I think the Lord said, Todd, listen, don't worry about being picked anymore. I'm choosing you and everything's going to be all right. And God chose you. You know, you are special. You are special. Now, maybe somebody hasn't told you that in a long time, but you are special. I mean, it's one thing if I chose, I pick you or somebody else. You know, maybe somebody that's popular wants to be your friend. Oh, man. You know, Mr. Popular, Miss Popular chose me. Think about it. The one who created the heavens, the one who holds the waters of the earth in the palm of his hands, says, I want you on my team. Come on. That's it. Do you feel a little special right now? Amen. Would you do me a favor and just bow your head with me for a moment? You are identified by the people you belong to. The Bible says if you belong to Christ, He'll give you eternal life. You know, I found out years ago that it's not just good enough to go to church. I gotta surrender. You gotta be born again. You gotta be engrafted into the family of God. That's where it all starts. And you know, the Bible says it's not his desire that any should perish, but that all should come into the kingdom. He don't want you to be left out. Now, you might be here today and you don't know. You don't know if you're part of God's kingdom. I mean, you want to be a Christian. You, you believe in God, but maybe you've never really genuinely crossed the line. I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to choose him this morning. If that's you this morning with everybody's head bowed and praying, would you do me a favor? If that's you, say, Todd, I'm ready to surrender. Would you just lift your hand to the Lord? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. That's the best decision a person could ever make. Thank you, sir. I see your hand right here. I see your hand man, right here. Thank you for being so brave, so courageous, just to respond to the Spirit of God. Would you, we're going to pray this prayer as a family. The family's very familiar with it. Would you just join us and just be sincere? Close your eyes and say these words. Lord Jesus, 
I surrender my life to you. I give my all to you. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I don't want to live that way. I want to live for you. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse my heart today? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me the opportunity to say yes. I say yes to you. I surrender to you. Lord, thank you for giving me an identity that's greater than the world. I'm a chosen child of God, and I'm grateful for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Congratulations to all those that prayed that prayer this morning. There's a card in the pew that just says, I made a decision. If you want to take a few seconds to fill that out, bring it to the desk in the lobby. We have a Bible for it. If you need one, just some gift, just something to help you just rejoice with you making this decision. But with the rest of you, would you just stand with me this morning? And you know, while I was just preparing this morning, I was thinking, you know, the people that struggle with their identity more than anybody on the globe is people that came up with people speaking condescending, negative words. How many of you know words are powerful? And people have said, you're not worth it. You got to earn it. You're never going to amount to anything. All those things. Or, or sometimes it's through experiences and people bail on us they neglect us they they betray us they walk out on us and we and we think man is is there anybody i can count on can i encourage you today you can count on him and you can put your identity in him and you just work at pleasing him and it doesn't just let everything else just find its place because that's all going to be all right. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I pray for every person in this room that is struggling with identity, struggling with who they are, how they fit in the family, whether they are, have any worth or any value. Lord, I declare today that rejection is broken. They are not having an identity crisis any longer. I declare that in their spirit they recognize and realize that they're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Thank you, Father God, for just blessing your people today in a special way. I pray in the strong name of Jesus and everybody that agreed, said amen. If you're watching online, I encourage you to just contact us. Just, just respond to what God's doing in your life today, and we'll all rejoice together for all of eternity. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Be blessed as you go. We'll see you soon. And don't forget, bring somebody to next week's service, the candlelight service. Amen. You're dismissed.